it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And uh, this week we are doing a 2003 film that I totally forgot about and I'm sure the Coen brothers want to forget about, Intolerable Cruelty. It is intolerable. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to say it. No, I mean it is. I I feel like the gap between, I'm trying to think, the gap between the man who wasn't there and No Country for Old Men is just, there are only two movies in that gap, but it's wide because it's Intolerable Cruelty and it's the Lady Killers remake that they did. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been avoiding that. I haven't seen that one. No, you don't want to watch it. I can barely watch it. It's so weird. There's some weird like little rascals. There's some buckwheat stuff going on. There's some weird like... I don't know, like, like slave archetypes going uh, on. It's a, it's a very weird movie. Yeah, that sounds like very chaotic bad. Yeah, and I mean, I, I love when people are like, oh, I wish the Coen brothers would have more black people in movies. And I was just like, do you? You're like, are, are they really? <laughs> Can I mean, there's, they? There's like one in this movie, and I, and I think that it's one of the weirdest roles in this movie, in a movie <laughs> full of weird roles. Um, but first, we have to introduce our guest, the very hilarious George Severus. Thanks Hello. for being here. Hello, queens. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on here to help us like dive in and, and unpeel all the layers of this oh, of movie. Course. I mean, this was my idea, so I apologize. <laughs> oh, no. I, do, I will say I remember this movie... I, I remember really liking this movie truly when I was like 12 and, and watched it. Um, and I had no concept of what the Coen brothers were or what it meant for something to be a Coen brothers film. You know, I just was like, oh, this is a romantic comedy starring two of the very, I mean, we forget how Catherine Zeta Jones truly was like the moment at the time. Like this was right after her Oscar win. And oh, yeah. I, was, like, I mean, she was like peak hot. Yeah. I mean, and she is stunning in this movie but i was it was one of those things where i was expecting a conventional romantic comedy and then the fact that it had any kind of weird elements i was like whoa this is like fun and cool and like unexpected um and i think i've maybe watched it like twice when i was you know like a teenager and thought it was i i always thought it was kind of fun and then i always i always like defended it and then i rewatched it now for this podcast and i was kind of like oh okay like <laughs> Like, am I defend? Have I been defending this movie as a bit? I just like had an identity crisis because I was always one of those people that was like, people say this is the worst Coen Brothers movie, but like that's actually sexist. <laughs> and, and now I'm like, I don't know. I guess I just I'm like kind of down the line at this point. I actually think it has potential. I think it has funny moments. I think it has some like, I don't know. I think it's like fun, but ultimately it just doesn't it doesn't add up to much. I guess. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, I totally agree with you about there being potential because it is a lot more surprising and interesting than a lot of the movies that we cover, just in the sense of like, it doesn't follow the same format. And so that 
so I was like, ooh, what's happening? This is a lawyer movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, and if I had seen this when I was younger, I feel like I would have loved it. So I very much understand that feeling of like, you've defended something and then you rewatch it and you're like, ah, well, now what do I do? Like, do I keep defending it or like with more, you know, uh, caveats or... Yeah. I know yeah. it also it just seems I don't I always thought it was like it seems like such a in line with my taste or something or like it seems like a, a movie that like a gay guy would like I don't know I was just <laughs> like yeah it's a Coen Brothers romantic comedy that's so subversive mm. but I don't know it's I mean the idea of a Coen Brothers romantic comedy is subversive like is. that like on paper that's like exactly what i would want one of my favorite movies to exactly be. and it's yeah. also like there are individual shots and scenes that i still do think are genius like i think regardless of any other kind of um you know regardless of context regardless of anything else when the killer like sprays his inhaler and then shoots himself that is just as a one shot thing that is funny <laughs> whether it works is like another story but like that's a very funny coen brothers -ism. oh yeah i mean i always kind of forget that the coen brothers are really good at slapstick which is hard to be good at like they're yeah, so totally. good at like these like physical comedy moments um whether it's straight up comedy or it's just like kind of this grim like I don't know, violence. Um, but they're really good at that. And this movie had a lot of slapstick energy, which I, I like felt had potential. And then at moments I just enjoyed. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's a very 30s style to this film. It's basically 30s screwball. So I thought a lot about like nothing sacred and the awful truth and, you know, Catherine Hepburn movies. And it's very clear that this is what it was going for. But there's something about the way that it looks, the way that it looks is a big problem. Like you would think that it would go for a more classical style, but it's just like very saturated colors and could easily be like an act. Like it kind of reminds me of like an action movie with the way that it looks and like how dramatic the shadows are that it, I don't. I don't get how that really gels with screwball. I mean, did you notice this? I'm yeah. like, did I even think that much about it? Uh, I did. I mean, I, I see what you're saying about this. It's it's not just screwball. It's like the battle of the sexes, sexes screwball. Like Adam's rib. Yeah. Exactly. Of that era. And like, oh my God, speaking of battle of the sexes, what was that Catherine Heigl movie? The Awful Truth? The Awful Truth, where it was literally like, I, I'm a woman and he's a oh, man. God. The Ugly Truth. Oh, yeah, ugly truth. Yeah. We did that one, yeah. That, yeah. We, that was a very angry episode. At oh, least yeah. for me, I was angry. It's always, but I do think, to, to its credit, it doesn't fall into the, like for a Battle of the Sexes farcical comedy, it doesn't have like such bad politics that I was like offended at the end or anything. Like I think it like, it does okay on that front, but okay. But wait, in terms of your question, in terms of like the look of it, I kind of, I, I thought like the scenes in like the giant mansions and like that other woman who's like been married like 16 times, like sitting in her pool. I thought that stuff was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was fun too. Um, but yeah, it was like, 
Okay, so I think what it is that it couldn't decide where it wanted to be um, old school and where it didn't. Like, in fact, George Clooney's wardrobe almost seemed very old. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and, but then everything else was modern. Like, it, it wasn't like it didn't fully commit to um, an aesthetic, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I felt I felt like visually and just like tonally like the the style of comedy that it would go for um it felt inconsistent to me cuz there were points where it felt really heightened, you know, and like this is like satire like just over the top over the top and then other times where it was kind of trying to actually just pull off mm-hmm. being stylized and in a way that wasn't even comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they should have either gone with, like, a Hudsucker proxy kind of look or um, what they did with Hail Caesar, which I think is maybe a more refined version of what this look is. Because it just kind of seems like in the middle of those two. Um, And the performances are also just, like... (laughs) They're weird. I was, like, I was really expecting to be, like, to love Catherine Zeta-Jones... Because I feel like in the right moment, she is good. And, like, I could see... I could easily take this movie and cut a trailer where it seemed like an incredible performance. You know what I mean? And so I was like, I was expecting to love her. And I, and she just doesn't do enough. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot... There's not a lot to her in this movie. And there really should be. Because she's doing... She's do, There's clearly a reason why she is the way that she is, and we don't really know, because we meet her kind of like, I'm moving around a lot, um, <laughs> we meet her kind of like in the throes of, you know, another situation, like we meet her, her husband played by the dad from Gilmore Girls, he's always going to be Gilmore Gilmore, Gilmore dad, Gilmore dad. <laughs> the best character secretly, um, yeah, everything just kind of like starts off really loopy and kind of stays really loopy that we don't really even get to know her. And even in the parts of the movie where we're supposed to get to know her, like when she marries George Clooners, like we still don't really get to know her much either. I don't know. That marriage, like the marriage is supposed to be short, but we should at least learn something in that short time. And I don't feel like we did. Yeah, I kept waiting for like her reasoning, you know, like right. either, oh, as a little girl, I always felt, you know, X way. Or I was this way and then I had these experiences and now I'm this way. But it was just kind of like, I don't really feel anything for men. And I was like, do you like, like, is this about your sexuality? Is this like, what is this? Okay. 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 Like, I was like, what if she's just gay? Like, Her sexuality. I'm so glad that you said that. But first, we should uh, give the plot of the movie. So this oh, is yeah. like. Um, remember when we did Laws of Attraction? Um, it's so funny. I was thinking of that movie that I was because I remember they came out like maybe the same year or one year apart, and both of them were like lawyers fall in love, like. <laughs> <laughs> the most compelling plot that you can probably do lawyers falling in love but uh so i mean it's my porn hub search so <laughs> so it's essentially like Catherine zeta jones is one of those women who like one of those women that i feel like only exists in movies where she marries a guy she's like okay i need his money make sure that there's like no prenup and then when she gets bored of him like usually six months to a year later she 
it's like she she specifically gets with people that she knows they're gonna cheat on her and then yeah. she like gets ready to like catch them and then gets the money in the settlement and then goes and gets married again over and over and over again which like the big joke of the movie is that like she has a very long last name <laughs> because she keeps on getting married and uh george clooney george clooners his thing is that he's a divorce lawyer and he's like very ruthless and he doesn't have any feelings and he's very rich and then Catherine zeta jones is the first woman that he's interested in the first really the only thing that interests him at all like he keeps on calling her fascinating and that's really she's really the only thing that's fascinating to him well and then, you know he spent his whole career building what they call the Massey prenup, um, <laughs> which is a prenup that is impenetrable and it is like his fame. So I think he's just spent all of his brain power building this powerful prenup. <laughs> and then he remembered. The idea that he spent a semester on it at Harvard Law really got me. <laughs> I didn't catch that. On the Massey prenup. Did you catch that, Jordan? No. Oh, yeah. Oh he's like God. the Massey prenup. Yeah, they spent a whole semester on it at Harvard Law. It's so, you know, this idea of like, I'm always weirded out by these movies, like at least in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s back then, like it made sense because it's just like, it's ladies that are doing it for themselves. You know, they're, (laughs) they're, they're getting the men, they're eating up the men, you know, like a, like a Joan Crawford kind of thing. But like now I'm just trying to imagine a woman like going in the movie, going through the trouble of being like, I just want to spend all of this time with different men. Like I want to waste my time in so many different ways. Right. The fact that you're in it for the long run, like you are literally going to waste like decades of your life being unhappy because then you can be rich when you're, you know, 50 or although I guess you could argue that for literally any kind of job that you don't enjoy that you do for the money. So it's not that different. I, I have to say one thing that I did like, was and I wish there was more of is like the idea of all these women who are professional gold diggers getting together and discussing their earnings like they were almost shot as though they were all like athletes playing the same sport and they were like you know debriefing after a game or something like when they were having drinks together and I almost wanted more of that throughout the movie like there was that one scene in the very beginning when you meet all of them and it almost sets it up that this is going to be a friend group you see over and over again and you don't get that much of them. I love that too. That was one of my favorite ongoing bits was like the women comparing notes and the, that one rich friend with the mansion that you mentioned. Yes. She she was just such a great character and like some of the throwaway lines that she had were so great. Like she was saying something about how maybe the cops were bad Um because like I can't rem- I can't even remember the context. It was it was like a rich person was affected, and then she was like, maybe that's what that Rodney what's his name thing was about. And she just said all these like horrible white woman things, but it was so like to the <laughs> yeah. side in the movie. And I was like, the- there's some really good writing snuck into this mm-hmm. character. Like Wait, speaking of lines that I actually thought were surprisingly good, when George Clooney gives that awful speech at the conference, and then at the end he's like, I'm gonna quit to do pro bono work in East Los Angeles or one of those. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was such a great line. <laughs> yeah. Like the roasts, the roasts that are in this movie, I think are really funny and like they kind of fly by really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. This movie being set, cause you know, I guess we have to assume that it is set in 2003 and I'm just, 
there's something so strange about that. Like, isn't this around the time where, like, I don't know, there's, like, low-rise jeans and, like, Britney Spears and, like... I don't know. Was Benefer that year? Benefer was that year. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm in a time machine just hearing you say these things. It's, it's really calming. Benefer. <laughs> well, you know, one of the, I mean, talk about um, kind of dating the, the movie. One of the things that I read was that it was for previous iterations of the casting were supposed to be Richard Gere and Julia Roberts for a Pretty Woman reunion or Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. Wow, that is such a different movie. It is, but also can, like, I think the Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts pairing would be so good for this. Like, I could so easily imagine Hugh Grant being the divorce lawyer and Julia Roberts, like, knocking it out of the park as the, you know, gold digger. I completely agree. I didn't, yeah, it's hard with this knowing, like, the line between what was the script's fault and what were the actors bringing or not bringing, but I definitely didn't feel like, yeah, I didn't feel like we got information about Catherine Zeta-Jones character. And I also couldn't tell if she was trying to bring more or not. It didn't feel like she was. And I feel like Julia Roberts would have just like gone in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. that's Catherine Zeta-Jones just doesn't really dig into this role. And the thing about like George Clooney and Coen Brothers movies is that he's really so heightened that you kind of have to be normal because the way that he's acting is never normal. It's not. And I have to say, like, I've grown to appreciate George Clooney, but I sometimes I'm like, he has like three faces that he alternates between. Like, it's like, especially with in Coen Brothers movies, he does this thing where like he starts out as clean cut and then gets and then something happens. And then he has like messed up hair and the same face that's like. I'm caught off guard and it's like the, and it's just the same thing. It's, it's, I don't know. I'm like, all he knows how to do is like pop his eyes out. Like that's exactly. really- yeah, he like popped his eyes out and then like, we'll have, again, it's like either messed up hair or suddenly he'll have stubble. Cause he'll like, haven't, he hasn't like slept or shaved or whatever. And it's like, well, now he's in trouble. <laughs> And he just, like, he doesn't really look sincere in Cohen. Like, I don't know what, I'm sure he looks sincere in some movies. They're just not coming to me right now. But especially in Cohen Brothers movies, he never looks sincere, which is, like, perfect for something like Burn After Reading, where he's, like, literally a crazy person. (laughs) Yeah, the movie where he's sincere is, like, The Descendants. Like, he's sincere. Or, you know, whatever. Like, any kind of conventional drama. But, yeah, it's, like, it almost always feels in Cohen Brothers movies that he's, like, doing like a meta performance that's like commentary on who he is as an actor kind of yes yeah and it's like fun the first time and then i just i feel like if he didn't look good in suits um and that's not even about him being handsome it's specifically him looking good in suits he wouldn't get cast in coen brother movies as much because he's like these characters that wear suits (laughs) that's my theory they just want to dress him up they just want to play dress up I honestly think that his best Coen Brothers role is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And it's because he's like, he's full of shit. And we know that he's full of shit. Yeah. And that's the whole point. Because that's the only way that it works. Right. And I, you know what I do want to say? Like, in terms of performances that are, like, meta in Coen Brothers films, like, the work that Brad Pitt does in Burn After Reading is so beyond anything George Clooney has ever done in a Coen Brothers movie. 100%. Oh, yeah. Brad Pitt in Burn After Reading is just, like, that is a... 
that is a whole career just in exactly that movie. like you can yeah. you can do it in an exciting and new way and i don't i don't know i mean i in all fairness i haven't seen her brother wear at that but i think i've seen the rest of his Coen Brothers performances. You need to see our brother work okay, okay. because that's really the best that he does with them. And that should have been the end. Instead, it was like the beginning of this yeah. weird working relationship with them that I don't know if it totally quite works. But the I think the other issue here is that the chemistry does not work. And I kept on thinking about specifically Down With Love, where the chemistry really does work. And also, Ewan McGregor is super insincere in that movie too, but the tone kind of like works around him being insincere yeah totally totally whereas like in this movie you know we're supposed to believe that george clooney is the only sincere person (laughs) right i'm curious like how both of you feel about the fact that so much of it is in courtrooms and like just lawyer humor like i was like is this just like like, it's just funny to me how much of it is about lawyers. Like, it's not just that George Clooney's a lawyer, and it's not just that Catherine Zeta-Jones is always getting divorced and getting money. It's, like, lawyer guys hanging out, talking about work. And, like, that concept to me is so funny. But I did find it overdone in the movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. We should say character names. Okay, so George Clooney's, he's Miles Massey, and his, like, best friend, like, other lawyer goes by Wrigley. Wow, he doesn't even have a last name, played by Paul Edelstein, which is maybe my favorite person in this movie. Yes. (laughs) Just because he knows what movie he's in in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's very comforting in that sense. He also commits to things that make no sense. Like, there's a recurring thing about how he always cries at weddings. It's like, I guess. Like, (laughs) what's the backstory there? Like, it's not like he's... introduced to some like sap or something but it's just like something his character has to do and he sells it every time yeah yeah i love i love his crying he's great um and so Catherine zeta jones what's her marilyn hamilton rexroth doyle massey although the the rexroth is she's rexroth at the beginning then there's the doyle then there's the massey um and then we have jeffrey rush playing a character that i was so confused by right. um, donovan donnelly <laughs> um and he like at the beginning of the movie he he gets in trouble with his wife for cheating right and mm-hmm. his yeah. wife is best friends with Catherine zeta jones uh yeah <laughs> i think wait no 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 his, his wife she, gets she appears later on later oh. on i think there's a callback in that she is like one of the women sleeping with Catherine zeta jones's ex right oh yeah 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 that's exactly like they're on the bed together yeah okay yeah so because we got the thing with jeffrey rush i don't know it's he's caught cheating and then his wife takes his award which i think is an emmy no, 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 he catches her what he catches he catches her oh he catches her i have no idea what's going on um, he catches her cheating with the pool guy even though they have no pool which oh, I do yeah. love. I do love yeah, that. that. I have to say the first sequence, like the first like 15 minutes of this movie are very good. Like uh, it goes off the rails, but in the beginning you're like, this is tight. It's like funny. Like the world, you know, it builds this world. Like when Catherine Zeta-Jones introduced, she's stunning. Like it, it all kind of works. And, and then it just <laughs> falls. 
I know I was totally like, oh, this is a movie. <laughs> and then that's all we get of Jeffrey Rush. And I was like, what a weird use of him. <laughs> yeah. And then he's just homeless. And then yeah. like, it's, yeah. Yeah. He's homeless and he's, but he's still got like his award with him, <laughs> which I don't know why he didn't sell, but I guess, you know, he won an award. He's like an actor. He's a soap opera, soap opera producer, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he is. Which I love the specificity for a character who like opens the movie, but then, as we said, is just like homeless and in one scene. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so much to pour into him. Yeah, he comes back at like the very end, right? Oh, that's right. Well, I do like in terms of like you know, I when you're try- I'm like currently working on something that's like I'm running into so many kind of like structure problems with, and I do like just structurally how this movie manages to tie everything together at the end. It's like all these disparate characters coming together. So there's something about that. I do respect, even if it doesn't necessarily feel earned, like the fact that at the end you truly tie in like Cedric, the entertainer, both the leads, even Jeffrey rush. And like, I I think there's something kind of like nice and neat about that. It almost feels like the movie is responsible, you know, like the movie is like, okay, so we know that we tried to do all these things. So we will like end yeah, it. We exactly. will end it all for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the crux of this movie is just like divorces. There's, there's Jeffrey Rush's divorce in which he loses everything. And then um, Gilmore granddad has one of those, like one of those like weird rich people kind of things. Remember like Brown and we were doing how I met your mother and we were trying to explain the captain. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. He's got a very the captain energy. He's got like the hat and he's just does the thing where they're in the bedroom. He's in the bedroom with like a younger woman and they're like playing around and running around. And then later there's the whole like he's got the whole bed of women and they're all do. What are they doing? I don't know why I forgot what they were doing. It's like this. Are they singing? Are they playing a game oh him with the women they're like dancing and dancing and singing maybe like on yeah. the bed yeah yeah, they're, yeah. They're, yeah it's like um it's uh, like a playboy bunny it's like hugh hefner type thing yeah exactly i never understand what's supposed to be sexy about that maybe it's because i'm not an old white man but it's like you're goofing around with someone and then you're gonna fuck them i don't know i think they just want to go to a sleepover exactly yeah i mean honestly that is true it's like but then it's there's also the i mean objectification element of it where you're just like i'm swimming in women yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They're, they're surrounding me their titties are out <laughs> <laughs> look at all these tits i am virile <laughs> yeah yeah so when it's just him and one woman uh cedric the entertainer shows up and what is his name in this movie gus patch yes okay um so gus shows up and he's just like constantly repeating i'm gonna nail your ass i'm gonna nail your ass and then he he nails he nails his ass and that's, that's great like catchphrase. catchphrase and honestly great callback at the end that that was his catchphrase in the show yeah and i mean cedric like delivered and that's he not does. surprising but yeah. he committed he was like i'm gus okay so get on board that character i have a lot of like problems with that character but none that i can articulate at this very point in time but i do think that he does a really good job with a role that is fucking weird to me yeah (laughs) yeah it feels weird (laughs) 
<laughs> it feels like kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really sure why. Like, I'm like, is this racist somehow? Or do I just not love this choice? <laughs> it's weird because like, I wouldn't say that it is, but it's also just like, the fact that he's there, the fact that he's the only black person, the fact that like he's the only one that's like not talking fast all the time, like he he doesn't talk fast at all. He just talks like a regular person. Um, there's well, he's a- like not not of the world. Like I think that's what's. I think that's to me what was um, what struck me was like intentionally he is not of this world and that he's not like a rich white person. He's not in the official channels of like the legal system, you know, but then that also like others him in the context of the movie. And that like, he's almost like then marginalized within the plot. Like he's someone who comes in when necessary. Yeah. And I mean, we do get to see his family in one scene and I kind of wish that we didn't because like that scene is weird. Um, (laughs) I don't know. When he's sitting with, I presume some of his brothers and they're like watching a video of people having sex and him getting them. (laughs) I thought that was a funny concept, but since we don't know the characters, it's kind of like, I mean, it's not, it's like, the consent question, you know, yeah. all, these, all these characters that we haven't met, just, just like watching, it feels like they're like watching the movie and it's like, huh? So, <laughs> so this is intolerable cruelty. Huh? Like it's, it's weird. Um, yeah, it's weird. Cause there's really not, there's a lot of plot, but also not really a lot. Like, uh, George Clooney feels pressure from his boss who is, a bizarre character. Oh, that's a weird character, yeah. <laughs> um, that I guess, like, I can never understand what he's saying. I mean, I guess that's the point. I don't know. Like, if if he's a stereotype, I don't know what it is. Or from he's, his- he's just, like, mumbling um, lawyer things. Like, this just goes back to the lawyer thing. Like, he's just, like, invoices and, like, courts. And, like, he's, like... This elderly man who's worn down by years of being in court, I guess. <laughs> and he's also in a bunch of nightmares that George Clooney has. Like, I didn't even realize the boss was a real character until, like, later on in the movie when I was like, oh, he's not just a man who's in George Clooney's nightmares? I'm so well, confused. It's so, yes, because he goes in there and it's like, I, I don't know. It's It's just so weird. It's like... That episode of Rugrats where, like, Chucky has to go to the chair and the chair is the potty. It's like every single time he, like, is walking, it's like he's going to the potty and he doesn't want to go there. And it's, like, shrouded in darkness. And, like, you can almost feel, like, thunder sometimes. Like, I don't know. Like, his office is, like, the nether regions. I'm convinced that uh, the boss just, like, is living in a boiler room. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's no windows for sure. I mean, talk about like a tonal, you know, a uh, kind of lack of consistency when it comes to tone. Like that, all the scene, and I think this is partly intentional. I mean, they're not stupid, but like all the scenes with the boss are truly from a different movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that's another Coen Brothers movie. Like that d- d- feels very Coen Brothers in the kind of weird it is, but mm-hmm. like not in the weird that fits with this. I completely agree. Yeah, more like kind of Hudsucker proxy. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see it there. But um, here, it does yeah, it doesn't really quite work. And so there's um, 
So Catherine Zeta-Jones, because they have this like weird witness in the court scenes who's just like, she came to me and she asked for like a wealthy, silly man. And I love this idea of going to a guy and being like, do you know somebody like rich and stupid that I can marry? I love that. Like that was one of the scenes where it was so heightened and silly that it was obvious that it's supposed to be like making fun of all these dramatic court scenes and movies. Exactly. So I like that, but it also was so because the movie's inconsistent, I was like, wait, this is funny, but also what? <laughs> exactly. If it, like that, I would say that character, then the boss character, all the more kind of like super campy over the top scenes, if they could have just gotten everyone on board to be in that movie especially Catherine Zeta-Jones. Like if Catherine Zeta-Jones could have played like an exaggerated femme fatale that was like me, Oh, I'm in my room, you know, just like whatever. Like uh, if she could have committed to like a Jessica rabbit type performance, I think we could have gotten somewhere. Yeah. I keep Anne Hathaway. I feel like that's the kind of role that she would want to do now. Totally. Totally. Yes. Oh, she would, she would absolutely crush that. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, it. the whole, this was definitely one of those characters, like, her character, since we don't find out more about her, it's, like, a very classic, like, she, George Clooney is taken with her because, like, she's beautiful, <laughs> and that's really it. It's, like, yeah. she's beautiful and ruthless, um, and, I mean, she is beautiful and ruthless in the movie, uh, but that's really the thing, is he's just, like, you're not intimidated by me, you're not scared of me and my prenup that I made. <laughs> that will destroy your plans and like they have these back and forth it's like he she reveals to him that she never cared about her husband she's divorcing so now he knows her game and i guess for him that's the beginning of this you know this crush this feeling and we don't really know i mean it's suggested that she might catch feelings for him but you don't really know if she actually has feelings or not until the obvious reveal at the end Um, And so it's very much him just being excited about this woman because he hasn't paid attention to women before, I guess. He's like, oh, she's not. It's very it's like she's not like other women. And I'm like, I'm sure there's plenty of other women who don't (laughs) like you (laughs) that are also attractive. (laughs) He's like oddly sexless. Like, yeah, totally. Like you don't get any reference to his exes or like other women he's attracted to or anything. It's very strange. Yeah, yeah, there's not there's not even an ex. Yeah, it's not even like, oh, after my divorce. Exactly. Which would make sense for his character if he had mm-hmm. a divorce. Right. But Yeah, like if he had a divorce and the wife ended up with all his money and now and that's why he wrote the massive prenup. That was like his big artistic achievement. See, we need to just add like what we need is backstory for right, the we characters. literally need backstory for both the leads, basically. Yeah, like because if we had more backstory, then the kind of cat and mouse game would be more compelling because right. there'd be more layers to it. Because it is, I mean, like you said, Jordan, there's a lot that happens, but there also isn't. It's pretty much once Catherine Zeta-Jones and George Clooney meet, he sees her through a few relationships, like, in court. Like, so her first divorce, he helps screw her over because he exposes her in court with the man that introduced her to her husband, <laughs> who was like yeah i set her up with that rich guy which is such a funny concept i love how we never find out anything else about that character i know (laughs) also like why does he want to betray like is he literally just in it because he loves the spotlight like he just wants to be interrogated 
Yeah, yeah. Does he just love attention? I mean, he's got the he's got his like little pet, and he's just he got dre- he got dressed for court because exactly scene. Yeah. Also interesting is that Catherine Zeta Jones's lawyer, played by Richard Jenkins, is almost like a non-entity. Like I don't know, I don't understand the choice of like making yeah. the lawyer a pushover because if she wins all the cases, like wouldn't the lawyer be more? I don't know, powerful. Yeah, like it's just it's just Richard Jenkins being Richard Jenkins. <laughs> but she doesn't. But that's like the whole thing is like she doesn't win any of the cases because then the second one it's like a fake oh yeah that's true she doesn't win the first one and that's why she's left with no money and then so it's like when she decides to stick with her old lawyer like that's a sign that's in retrospect a sign that it was all fake like because otherwise she wouldn't have picked that guy yeah yeah but it's just weird that she's she loyal to Richard despite losing all the time. <laughs> right. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, if this is, you know, this is a mastermind kind of woman, then why wouldn't she have a great lawyer? Also, I just keep on imagining if the lawyer was a great lawyer and also, like, a woman and we could, like, bring in, like, a cool character actress that's just, like, we're here to stick it to the men by taking all their money and, like... <laughs> that would just be so fun. I was just, like, thinking a lot about Hustlers and how... This movie, you know, was made in 2003, so it's long enough ago that I'm not surprised that she wasn't a sugar baby, but I was like, why isn't she just a sugar baby? You know, like, she wouldn't have to get married. (laughs) She could just find these rich men and get money, and it would be so much easier. But I think that, I mean, in 2003, I can't really imagine... I mean, obviously, there were movies and Pretty Woman was out, but, like... It makes sense that it wasn't that wasn't the choice, but I wish it was because that would be more interesting in a lot of ways. I just don't know why they didn't just set it in the 40s. I don't understand. That's what they wanted to do. Everything is like 30s, 40s. I don't know why they just didn't do it. It's it's weird because then we're stuck with just like modern fashion and a not modern kind of story and where the back and forth is supposed to with is supposed to carry the story and then it really doesn't like when billy bob thornton shows up i was most interested in him like he had so much going on well and i think i would believe this story more if it felt like the rich men she picked had like status like it just feels like they're random rich men but it doesn't feel like a real housewife situation where it's like this is a cool rich guy in this way and now i'm gonna hang out with these women earnestly um, like that would, I would buy that more, but we don't really know anything about these rich guys. Like if we knew that they were in fashion or they were in like, you know, international hotels, then right. I would buy it more. Oh my God. The husbands and housewives, I haven't watched much of it, but the ones that I have seen are so fascinating. Like what fucking weirdos all those men are. <laughs> and they get like, and they get like very like little scenes, but every little scene you can tell like how strange they are and what way of strange they are. And I don't, now I'm just saying that reality television did this better than this Hollywood movie. Really I mean, did. Real Housewives really did do it. <laughs> I mean, I've only really watched Beverly Hills in New York, um, but, you know, the, it really captures this culture. I've been mm-hmm. doing Potomac, and that is it's just so fascinating. But I was I was bothered a bunch. Kyle you know, there is, speaking of, there is, and I'm sure it's in the works, I'm sure people have tried it many times, but like, and in fact, I've read a script by someone that's that's on this topic but like there 
we are overdue for a fictionalized Real Housewives-esque type thing where it's like a woman, you know, loses everything and decides to join the cast of a Real Housewives type show. Like it's it's so it's so ripe for humor. But I do think this when this movie came out, there was such an obsession with gold digging and with like younger women marrying older men. I mean, I guess there always is, but like this was around the time of like Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah. This was around the time of like, actually, maybe this was, I was about to say like Paul McCartney's divorce, but I think that was later, but like it, it was very, it was very much a trope in tabloids and stuff that like younger women were marrying men for their money. And did you, there was the the show about the Playboy bunnies, the, that reality show. But I The Girls Next Door. The Girls Next Door. Yeah, that was around this time, too. And that was like, I don't know, This was that was that whole era. There's like the simple life. I feel like there was a whole like reality TV era and then Keeping Up with the Kardashians started and then something else started happening after I that. I mean, yeah, this was kind of the original reality TV moment. Like where it was like starting to explode on on a like totally you know the early thousands was really when it was like starting. It's so weird how much reality TV has evolved, but also not at the same time. <laughs> like how much it's changed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I along mean, those lines, because it was such a weird time for like the treatment of women in the media. I was like I said, I was surprised that I think the gender politics of this movie are. Like, I think both of the leads are equally sociopathic and they end up, like, finding one another. Like, she's, they both, you know, sometimes one of them is in control, sometimes the other one is in control. It's very much like a, you know, kind of a back and forth power dynamic. So I, I don't know. I think there's, there are, there's a much worse version of this movie that could have been made that would have truly had, like, really tasteless jokes about, like, I don't know, Catherine Zeta-Jones, like, having sex with an old penis and whatever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely, like, a Ferrelli Brothers version of this somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Speaking of brothers making movies, uh, definitely. Because she doesn't ever feel... It doesn't feel like the gaze is, like, condescending towards her. Totally. Or, or even, like... It's like, yes, she's beautiful, but it's not really objectifying her in the way that it, it would in a lot of movies. Like, right. she's just doing what she's doing. And, and men are like, humiliated so much more in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Women. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it does recognize like the kind of power that she has. Yeah, and I agree about it not really sexualizing her. Like she looks beautiful, but she's always in like full outfits, you know, and the camera isn't really obsessed with her body. It's just more into like her face and her like micro expressions and things mm-hmm. like that. I don't what does this I think that this part of the issue with this movie is that it doesn't really seem to like anything except like humiliating men like some you know that you can watch some romances and you can tell like what the directors are trying to do and what little things that they like what little like aesthetics and there's nothing I think it's just because the Coen brothers aren't that interested in romantic love very much like i would say that most of their movies when they do talk about love it's more like a familial love yeah no that is very that is very true i mean a serious man is there's you know the marriage is such a, a big part of that movie but but yeah no they none of them are romances yeah that's a good point i never would have really thought of that but i think i like that actually yeah 
Because it's so not- funny because now I'm thinking of Fargo too. Like it's they like marriages more than like courtships. It's like they're more interested in what happens when a couple is already married. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's more of yeah. the day-to-day versus the yeah. infatuation. Because so many, like, Hollywood love stories are at the infatuation phase. They're very much like, what's the the in, the in the weeds kind of emotional experience? Yeah, like, I love the marriage in Fargo. It's so, Oh, I know. One of the best on-screen marriages. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I think... Okay, so the one of the... Well, I guess the most important twist of this movie. So basically after, after Gilmore dad, she gets with like this like oil tycoon played by Billy Bob Thornton. And it's this whole thing where they sign the, they make a big show of like signing the Massey prenup to like show George that she, not you, George, George, (laughs) um, to show like George that, you know, she's not in it for the money and it's just this whole thing. And then of course they get married and that, that wedding is very funny. Just <laughs> the priest playing the guitar it reminds me of like Christian weddings I went to in Georgia. It's just <laughs> the worst. Yeah. Have you been to a Christian wedding, Bronwyn? Have I what? Have you been to a Christian oh, wedding? God. I yeah, I've, right? been, I've been in like four Christian weddings, but they were all when I was like 19 because people wanted to have sex. So, you know, they got married to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I went to a Christian wedding at 19 and it was just like, and I was at the bachelorette party too. And there was like virgin cocktails. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. And would talk about sex. But no, but like we like during the ceremony, all the groomsmen took out their instruments and then like played like two Christian rock songs. <laughs> oh, it's so horrible. Christian rock is like, it's just, there's so much there. It's, it's so the much pain. The only thing worse than Christian rock is Christian rap. Christian rap is so much worse than Christian. At least Christian rock has like an excuse because it's like white people and y'all are supposed to be corny, but like Christian, they have no excuse. Yeah. Christian I mean, rap is like very, uh, very painful, especially when it's like, Quoting the Bible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, this is my just specific tirade against a Christian rapper named Lecrae, who is very popular, and I hate him. Hated him since I was incredible. <laughs> I hope he uh, listens. Honestly, oh I would God. love that beef. Can you imagine uh, bad romance podcast getting in like Christian rap beef? That feels very fitting. <laughs> I would love that for us. But so yes, the wedding is corny. And then Billy Bob does the thing where he takes the prenup, he asks somebody for barbecue sauce, he puts it on the prenup, and then he eats it in front of everyone. And it's just, it's beautiful. I love it. I love that scene. That was great. I I mean, Billy Bob came and, like, understood the assignment. Another person who is in the better version of this movie that's, like, high camp. Like, he came in and just, like, did what he was supposed to do. Absolutely. Yeah. He he elevated that scene. He was like, you will not forget me. <laughs> and how could we? No, I couldn't. And I was so sad. Well, the, the big trick is that, well, she divorces him and she's supposed to have gotten all his money and stuff. And that's when she runs into George when he's at um, the convention where he's supposed to talk to a bunch of divorce. I love this idea of coming to a convention so that a bunch of divorce lawyers can talk about like how they can better ruin people's lives. <laughs> yeah. That was a real low point. Like his speech at that convention was a real low point. I, I'm not going to lie. I did not pay very much attention during that scene. Cause I was just so bored. <laughs> I was like, why? 
Well, it's just like a long speech about like how like our job is bad and, you know, we're against love and we're supposed to be writing for love. And, you know, what we do is immoral and I found love. So I'm like done. It's this whole thing where he just like comes off stage and then like it's there's quiet for a second. Then everybody claps for him, which is absolutely not what would happen because lawyers don't give a well, I th- I was expecting when the guy started the slow clap, I was like, oh, the joke is going to be that no one joins in and that'll be like a, a joke. And then when they actually like when the slow clap actually became applause, I was like, wait, so what are you? Are you saying this speech was compelling and everyone like <laughs> is moved by it? Like it would have in my mind, it would have been both options are not great, but like it would have been so much funnier if someone tries to start a slow clap and no one joins in and then he like walks out to silence. Yeah, that's so much funnier. Like, yeah. and, and the joke is clear then. Right. <laughs> right. And, and also it's funny, to, like the whole divorce lawyer thing in general of like the movie deciding that divorce lawyers are either either evil or they're like, you know, these good, you know, they're just good at their job. I'm like, I don't, I mean, divorce is not innately good or bad. So it's mm-hmm. that's also a funny thing with the divorce lawyer thing. It's like, oh, you're bad because you're part of divorce. And I'm like, I mean, people are going to get divorced. And that's the thing. Yeah, it's not like, <laughs> like it's not like those people are not going to get divorced because of his speech. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, I'm like, they're going to need some divorce lawyers now. I mean, if you're pressuring a couple that you think could go to counseling, like, yeah. sure, maybe that's another conversation. But <laughs> Like, it's just yeah, I mean, a funny I line of moralizing. I don't know. It's like, is he specifically, like, talking against, like, the kind of shit that happens in marriage story, I guess? Maybe that. I think, yeah, it's like, these are pe- I think it's more like the, in his mind, the, the uh, a divorce lawyer is so focused on winning, basically, that they, like, lose sight of the fact that what they're doing is so tragic and that they are, like dissolving marriages which are representations of love like yeah it's um it's kind of it's I, it, it's almost like a politician quitting politics because of the toxic environment or whatever but it's like but we still need people to hold public office right right it's like i understand you needed to step away but also yeah. we're still gonna have politicians yeah so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah, I think yeah. that's a really good way of putting it because it was that was funny to me. It's like, okay, okay, buddy, you're making your decision for your life, but I don't think every divorce lawyer is going to quit and then divorce is going to disappear. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, what? I don't know. Like he could have been like, here's a here's like a more humane way that we can do this or something, yeah. something, something. But anyway, he just does it because he gets to marry Catherine Zeta Jones and they can finally have sex because this movie sexual politics. <laughs> seem to state that there's no way that they could have fucked beforehand uh so they get married and also that really the marriage kind of brings up this whole like conflict about power it's just like who has the power now and i'm a sitting duck and oh no who has the money who doesn't have the money she's exposed (laughs) she's exposed yeah they say that like more than once about being exposed um and so because when he when they when they get married it seems like Catherine Zeta Jones has the money 
she's the one with the power. And then he basically finds out that Billy Bob Thornton was an actor and that he wasn't actually, (laughs) they just see him on a soap on TV. And I just love that. Like that really pulled that character together for me. It really was like one of the better formed characters overall, like in his initial you know, at face value, playing the tycoon, he's really funny. And then when you realize he's an actor, it's it makes it even more funnier because you realize what you were watching was an actor's performance of an oil tycoon. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, I would watch a whole side movie just about that character. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's it's he's so funny and there's so much meta humor there. Yes, yeah. And so it just becomes like, okay, George is the richer one. So then what's going to happen? You know, are they going to are they going to need a prenup? Are they going to share their money? It's just Yeah, will they use the Massey prenup? Right. <laughs> so much of this is about money. <laughs> and so I just I kept on thinking I would just like some of the money. Can somebody give me some of the money? I couldn't have, <sighs> Oh, it's so true. Yeah, the mindset of like wanting to take 50% of someone's assets, it's like, no, just give me like a house. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. A house, one of the houses that you have. I'll take yeah, it. I would, I would love a house. And like, if the kid goes to like a fancy school, can you pay for that? If the kid goes to college, could you pay for that? Otherwise, you can fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's fine. Like, as long as I'm able to survive, you know, and yeah, if we have a kid, you can help raise them, yeah, take care yeah, of them. Take care of the fucking kid. But like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But when you pointed out, George, uh, the gold diggers thing, like, I don't remember what year gold digger came out but i feel like i was thinking that too yeah what was it with yeah god the kanye song came out two years after this and i was laughing to myself imagining him writing it after watching this movie which i know obviously wasn't the inspiration but like kanye like watching this and then (laughs) being like i have to write my song now god when that song i I hated that song for several. That song was inescapable and I hated it. Like, I think the first time I heard it, I was like, this seems cool. And then it was just there. I feel like they were still playing Gold Digger in like 2008. Like, I feel like it just did not stop for you. Yeah. Was that the one where the video had? Oh, no, maybe. Which one was the Pamela Anderson video? The Pamela Anderson. Oh, I don't know. Wait, I'm going to look at Google this. Now I'm very, very curious. Pamela it is. Oh, no, it's Touch the Sky. Different. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. I didn't know that she was in any of his videos. Oh, yeah. And it's a great. That's amazing. <laughs> She's great in it, honestly. I have to say. Um, so, you know, big shout out to Pamela Anderson and her fight to get Julian Assange acquitted. <laughs> what, a, what a weird timeline. <laughs> Just <laughs> Oh my god! And Anna Nicole Smith is in the it's in the Kanye's workout video, which. Just, oh God. Yeah, she, she's like the best part too. <laughs> oh yeah, that video really like goes in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, God, yeah. I, I unfortunately did like Kanye's Gold Digger song. I did too. Uh, I thought it was a, bad. Yeah, <laughs> I I sang along and yeah, yeah. I I mean, my hate for it was very uh, unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love I love Kanye, but I think well, I did. We all did. Yeah, sure, sure, I mean, sure. we're all we all grieved him. 
Yes. Yeah, but I think that song and Jesus Walks were like the two songs where it was just like, don't ever play this around me. Jesus Walks is tough. <laughs> oh yeah, Jesus Walks. There, I, I remember like um, telling my mom it was a Christian song because I thought that was funny. <laughs> I mean, for Kanye, it was. <laughs> well, now he's super Christian, apparently. I wouldn't know because I do not... And in my opinion, um, what what was the last one? Jesus. That was his last album, in my opinion. I've been, I haven't. He has. I haven't. I haven't checked in since Jesus. Although someone told me that gospel one was good. But you know what? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I listened to that once. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's my <You> review. <laughs> I don't want to. I feel like if I say Kanye, like somebody will appear um, in my room to argue with me. It doesn't matter what I say about Kanye, so I'm afraid. But yeah, I listened to it once, and that was it. So, wait, sorry, I'm realizing my workout thing in the back literally looks like it's a sex swing or something. If it's if I have like my shoulder. <laughs> Oh, I okay. I didn't notice, but now I love that. I kind of wish that I had noticed that the whole time. Well, I was like, oh my god, have they (laughs) just been like not saying anything? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, ooh, you got the sex swing out. Okay, (laughs) living it up. I mean, you know, you got to get yours. Um, okay. So I mean, we all know how these kinds of stories end. You know, they they figure it out. They decide to be together. Is there anything specific or important about them getting together? I think you know the moral is that love conquers all. Really, like love uh, can penetrate the massy prenup or a desire to eat men. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, love apparently doesn't isn't interested in fucking at all but okay yeah <laughs> well it's also like the i feel like the the maiden conflict on a meta level in the movie is like whether or not the coen brothers are earnest and they keep it keeps switching back and forth it's like oh this time they're in love but no she's tricking him again are they in love now no she is whatever and at the end it you don't know i think to me i was like the big reveal will be whether or not the movie is earnest about their love or like believes in their love or not. And it does seem to ultimately believe in their love. Yeah. That, cause I, I was also confused. Like even after the end, I was like, Oh, okay. So we are on their team. Like right. that's a thing that's real. <laughs> like, all right. I mean, sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, I have been thinking this whole time of, a film to suggest that isn't this because like i mean there's there's a lot of cute stuff about this but just watching it kind of gave me a headache like Mm. collection wise and since i kept on talking about like uh films from this era i would say definitely watch the awful truth from 1937 you know we got irene dunn we got Cary grant we got this you know this bickering couple that like wants to divorce and it's like are they going to be divorced are they going to stay divorced like what's going to happen and it's a way more interesting depiction of a couple than this is (laughs) yeah certainly like like a couple with like backstory or like things that they talk about (laughs) like actual conversations I mean, there are so many movies with Cary Grant that you could really, you really can't go wrong for the kind of movie that this is trying to be with Cary Grant. Cary Grant did it properly. Even though I'm not really particularly into him, I do think that he's funny. I don't think that he's hot, but he's funny. I don't know. Yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah. But 
But yeah, I'm not like, ooh, I'm I'm loining. <laughs> loining and my loins for Terry Grant. Uh, <laughs> you know, Clark Gable, maybe. I think Clark Gable yeah. is kind of hot. Yeah. You can um, get it. I mean, show me some pictures in color, you know? Let me know what we're really working with. I mean, it's interesting, too, because, like, part of the reason, like, George Clooney is a thing is because he supposedly looks like... Looks like Cary Grant. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And it's like, yeah, but none of the, like... I don't know. Sometimes he... Sometimes he works. I would say out of sight is really him at his hottest. And he's never really been able to touch that again, in my opinion. Yeah. It really is. I'm looking at photos of Cary Grant. They really do look so similar. Yeah, their, their facial structure. Yeah. Definitely. I think also I've read too many interviews. Like, I still don't, like, I've watched Cary Grant in a lot of things, but I haven't read a lot of interviews with him. And I feel like I've read enough interviews with George Clooney to kind of ruin him for me. Like, I know too much about the pranks he likes to do. And oh, I just, God, I know. Right? Like, that makes someone less sexy unless you actually know them as, like, a real person in yeah. your life. Um. Also, Cary Grant was gay. <laughs> so, hotter. So, love that for him. Yeah. I mean, you know, the important thing about George Clooney is that he is married to a woman that is more important than he is. It's true. <laughs> uh, shout out to Amal Clooney, you know. Shout out to Amal. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah. <laughs> she's amazing. Okay, wow. I'm just gazing at this photo of Cary Grant with his cigarette, and it's just it's such a good photo. Oh, um, yeah. I'll, po- I'll post it online just... With no context. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch a black and white movie and this is over. I'm going to hit another blunt. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Absolutely. George, <laughs> do you have anything that you want to um, promote? And also, where can listeners find you? Sure. Um, follow me at George Severus on Twitter and Instagram even. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, listen to my podcast, Radio Lab. It is a podcast I host with my friend Sam Taggart, where we analyze different elements of straight culture every week with a guest. Um, and honestly, right now, that's all I can promote. <laughs> oh, my God. Straight. And I sometimes didn't... that's enough. That's what your podcast is about. Straight culture. OK, so that's why I have not been asked to be on it, because I am not straight. Got it. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to um, tear tear apart <laughs> or inspect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> however, um, however, one wants to put it. <laughs> who is even straight anymore? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly very few people. We had our second straight guest, Josh Gondelman, the other week. Oh, yeah, Josh. Like, best case scenario, straight man, I think. Yeah, yeah I feel like when people think of, like, a nice, like, straight white man comedian, like, Josh Gondelman is, like, the He's only the name only that one. everyone can agree on. <laughs> we also had, we had someone on, um, and I won't spoil it because it's it kind of is revealed during the episode. We had someone on who is, you know, passes as a straight guy, is married to a woman, and it is revealed in the middle of the episode that he and Sam have hooked up before. So then I was like, all right, well, back to the drawing board. Okay, I think I actually might know who that is. I mean, it's not a huge secret, but yeah, if you go back back and look through our episode. That's amazing. Okay, that's also the kind of reveal that, like, that brings people into the podcast. Exactly, I know. Oh, Oh my God. I got a little bit of that. Okay.
Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for watching this film for me. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, of course. No, you're great. I'll watch, you know, if you have another, you know, annoying movie that you want us to watch. I mean, we want to watch it. Yeah, we've watched Run for Your Wife on YouTube. So, like, we're open. I mean, I really was so disappointed that you'd already done Dirty Love. I realize it's such a foundational text for something like this, but sometimes I realize so few people have actually know what it is. Yeah, it's it's very interesting how I always remember, like, when there were still, like, blockbusters. I remember yeah. seeing it at Blockbuster and being like, I don't want to be anywhere near that. But also, what is it? it totally. You know? It was one of those things that had the air of being dirty and you were like, Ooh, like this is for grown-ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, can I handle this? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. So All you've right. been listening to the Bad Romance Podcast. We are on Patreon at ba- Bad Romance Pod. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. I think Google maybe. Um you can follow us on Twitter at Bad Romance Pod, and we love five star reviews. And our theme song is by Clutch Douglas, and we thank them every day for the amazing song. I do a prayer. <laughs> okay, anything else, Bronwyn? I think that's all. Just uh, if you're listening, remember to log off sometimes and drink water and mm. uh log off i'm also saying this outside. to myself um and yeah. yeah wear a mask outside and be nice to yourself you know and if you're drunk get some pedialyte um <laughs> absolutely and i feel like that's very important <laughs> just eat just eat the snack don't think about it too much everything is crumbling enjoy yourself <laughs> <laughs> words to live by all right i'm jordan searles i'm bronwyn isaac that's george oh i'm sorry i'm george severas we i didn't know if i was allowed to speak no, our always, fault. we no, always become, we always do that to our guests we never reward them and then we're like oh wait actually <laughs> no that's become our running bit like i knew it was gonna happen this time and i was Great. prepared yeah <laughs> <laughs>